Blog Talk Radio. Good evening or good night in the ancient 
Paleo Hebrew. I'm your host, your brother, your friend, as always, Taza Pop. I'm joined this evening by my wife, Hasadai, in the building. Uh, Labia, my other wife, to join us shortly. And I believe Archive's coming down also, right? I hope so. Okay. I hope everybody is healthy. I hope everybody had a good weekend, a good Shabbat. I want to send shots out, man, to uh, <clears throat> the brothers and sisters down in H Town, man, for um, a great Sabbath class, man, and for being a uh, very hospitable host. Uh, to my cousin this weekend, my cousin Devin was uh, in town in Tejas. Uh, visiting Houston this past weekend, man. I drove down um, Saturday morning to uh, greet him, meet him, and to fellowship with the brothers down there. Shouts out to the brothers, Pater up, like I said, man, uh, for being so hospitable and for a very educational, informative uh, Sabbath class, as always, man. I like the angles the brother be uh, pulling out in the Sabbath, cla- Sabbath classes. Uh, so shouts out to those brothers. Shouts out to our brothers here in San Antonio, Tejas, uh, led by War. And uh, shouts out also to our affiliated school up in VA, man, uh, the brother Kazakia, uh, doing big things up there with the brethren. And shouts out to Zainala in Rochester. Shouts out to uh, the brother Ice, man, out in New Mexico, uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, to be exact, and all the rest of the brothers that are out there, man, in the ABQ. Our brothers uh, up in Cali, brothers down in Atlanta, and uh, also shouts out to uh, Kawakab down in Guatemala, man. I want to send shouts out to all the brothers, and shouts out to <clears throat> the 12 tribes scattered worldwide, man, across the globe, to the nation of Israel. We are definitely the people of the book. Okay, cool. We're definitely the people of the book. Uh, we prove this historically, biblically, because the Bible is, in fact, a history book. It's not a book of religion. I repeat, it is not a book of religion, man. We don't subscribe to any religion. We subscribe to the book uh, known as the volume of the book or the common day term, the Bible, uh, which people come up with the acronym Basic Instructions Before Leaving Earth. I like the acronym, actually, because that's what it is. It's a book of instructions, a book of history, a book of religion and paganism. All right, y'all, so let's go to Matthew chapter 6. What's my time at? Matthew chapter 6. Get Psalm 20, 118, 24. You got it? All right, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. After this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So this is the prayer we need to be sending up on a daily, especially now, y'all. Especially now, man. This is the this is a great time 
um, to teach. This is a great time to uh, get our people to be more receptive to the word because you're seeing these real-life events happen right in front of your face, man. And wouldn't you know, it's all centered around who? The Israelites, the people of the book. Now, before you go off, want to jump on those imposter side thinking that they are the people of the book. They are, in fact, in fact, proven beyond a reason of a doubt that they are not the Israelites. And I'm talking about the nominals who call themselves Jewish. You ask them what tribe you're from, and all of them from the tribe of Judah. But there was 12 tribes, though. What happened to the rest of y'all? <laughs> Shouldn't they be able to trace their lineage and show you historical proof to who they are, who they claim to be? You know, and this is what bothers me the most, man, because you'll have those people show up, or you have other people show up and say, man, y'all ain't no, y'all ain't no Israelite, and they'll just discount us that y'all just some niggas. Man, niggas, get out of here. Y'all low-life niggas, y'all trying to be more than what y'all really are by darky. They'll dismiss us. And we'll come with a thousand books <laughs> all saying the same thing, that we're the people of the book, including the Bible. And they'll tell us to just go on and dismiss us. But these people come out. And you know the only thing they have to say to validate their claim that they're the people of the book, the true Israelites, is because they supposedly speak the language. <laughs> that is the most you word nerd, big brain. Give me a an intellectual word for stupid or dumb. A big one. I need a big, like, spectacular college word. Oh, my God. <laughs> Come on now, work that brain. Listen, y'all, while she's thinking on this word, let's get Psalms chapter 118, verse 24. Got it. <clears throat> you got one? What you got? Ignorant, unintelligent. Unintelligent. What else? We need something better than that. Idiotic. Idiotic. Okay, give me some. Give me, give me some where the listeners gonna have to go look it up in a dictionary. Imbecilic. <laughs> imbecilic. I like that. It's so imbecilic of them to say that their proof is because they speak the supposed supposed Hebrew that they are the people of the book. So with their imbecilic understanding, I guess this would mean that if I took a year of a foreign language, <laughs> like Japanese, and I learned to speak it fluently, then that would make me Japanese, correct? Because I speak, no, I speak the language. I'm Japanese. I speak the language, though. I wouldn't be Japanese. Why wouldn't I be Japanese? I would be, what does that mean? You know two languages. I know two languages. So since I know two languages, English being one, Japanese the other, I would be a what? Japanese Englishman then? Would that is that what I would be? Or English Japanese? What would I be? But you wouldn't be Japanese. I wouldn't? 
For sure. For sure. So if I speak a foreign language, <laughs> let's say I speak Hebrew, does that make me a Hebrew Israelite? No. Because I speak Hebrew. But this is the claim, their claim, their justification to say that the people of the book, and no one ever calls them out on this, man. And it is the most, what's the word again? Imbecilic. 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 <laughs> Thing I have ever heard. And like I said, no one calls them out on this, man. All right, we're going to get back to those people. Let's get Psalm chapter 118 now. And with the water ox for uh, hooking up the broadcast, I know uh, I was throwing you off this morning, brother. My apologies, Ike, but it just, it won't get done this morning, Ike. I'm sorry, Ike. But the water for having my back. Y'all, y'all know I usually do it in the morning around ten, man. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't get to it this morning, y'all. But that's why I am <clears throat> coming to you uh, in full spirit, man, uh, this evening. And let me send these out real quick. Oh, uh, let me see. Who else do I send this to? Hold on, y'all. Oh, you already sent it to. Uh, to Devin <clears throat> think he got it Let me shoot it out to the brother in the heart Alright, you got songs? Yes, sir Psalm 118.24 This is the day which the Lord hath made We will rejoice and be glad in it So good or bad, happy sad The most high brought you to it He'll bring you through it and you'll come out better on the other side because of it, y'all. Please believe me. All right, y'all. So I want to say this before I dive in. If, you listen, if you're listening to Blog Talk, y'all, and I really greatly appreciate y'all tuning in and listening. I appreciate the feedback. I appreciate, appreciate all the love and support that you've shown us over the years. But I have to. I have to plead with y'all. I have to beg y'all. Don't just be listening. I know a lot of brothers and sisters are listening. Uh, we got we got a, a community of brothers that drive trucks, and I know that they're getting their listening on because, you know, they're driving, and, you know, it's getting them through that drive. And that's good. That's a great thing. But for us brothers and sisters that ain't at work, us brothers and sisters that uh, are at the crib, sit down, y'all, and take notes. Sit down and take notes and follow along with us as we go through the scriptures, man, because you listening is not going to all fit in that brain of yours. and You're going to be able to retain it to where you understand this. And I say this because... I get people that will come to me and they'll ask me about certain topics that they've heard me do a class over before, but they don't understand the topic or the class because they just listen to the topic of the class. Understand this, y'all. I'm not doing this to be some type of Israelite celebrity or to be put on a pedestal or whatever. I'm doing this, first of all, man, because I love teaching. Secondly, because I love my people. 
I want y'all to write this information down so y'all can go back and prove what the hell y'all saying. Y'all can go back and prove the Bible. This is why I try to go as slow as possible and I list all my sources so y'all go back and have the exact same information, man. I'm not trying to uh, be the grand whatever of information and uphold all, because it ain't mine. You know, the scripture says that the most high gives to all men liberally, which means freely. You know, even Christ said, freely you have received, freely you shall give, man. We all got got this truth. We ain't pay nothing. Well, not in monetary uh, uh, terms anyway. We all pay pay the price. <laughs> but we basically got it for free, man. So, so we need to uh, reciprocate that and give it away free to others. But if y'all ain't taking no notes, y'all ain't writing stuff down, man, y'all can't retain it. If you can't retain it, you don't know it. If you don't know it, you're not going to have confidence when you try to teach it. All right, y'all. So with that said, man, I was going to dive into uh, some other news articles, man, but this right here seems to be the most pressing topic that's going on every day. And quite frankly, I am sick of hearing about it. And, yes, indeed, I'm talking about the Gaza Strip, talking about Hamas, talking about the Israeli. I'm talking about I'm so sick of hearing about the interviews with the hostages, the hospital, who blew the hospital. I'm sick of it, man. But this is what everybody's talking about. And I went in last week on it extensively, so much so that I couldn't even really get good into my topic. I'm not going to do that again this week because I'm definitely going to get into my topic extensively. But I am going to touch on it. All right, so let's get Ezekiel chapter 36. And I went over this last week, man. I I did the whole Jerusalem timeline thing, which I'm going to uh, pull it out here in a few to edify a couple of things that I'm about to say and prove. But I want us to understand the biblical uh, prophecies that came true, man, so we can see that the Bible is a real book. It's not a fairy tale, man. These things actually took place, but the Most High said that they would. All right, Ezekiel chapter 36, and start of verse 1. Also, thou son of man, prophesy unto the mountains of Israel, and say, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord. Now, when it talks about mountains of Israel, a mountain is the highest point you can get. And I'm just talking about um, as far as nature goes. It's the highest you can get is a mountain, right? So we have to relate this in the terms of people. What's the highest you can get in the people or in the society? It would be their government. That's the highest you can get. So when it's talking about the mountain of Israel, it's talking about the government of Israel. So this is who the Most High is talking to. Now, listen to what he says to us. Now, jump down to verse 4. Therefore, ye mountains of Israel. Matter of fact, I'm sorry, just read from verse 2. Thus saith the Lord God, because the enemy has set against you, aha, even the ancient high places are ours in possession. They said what? Aha, 
even the ancient high places are ours in possession. This is what the enemies of the Israelites said. Aha, the ancient places are now become ours. We possess the ancient places. What ancient places might they be talking about? <laughs> They're talking about the ancient place of the land of Israel because it is ancient, y'all. We have to understand this. Israel, uh, the land of Israel is not a new term. You read about the land of Israel going all the way back to Genesis, the second chapter, y'all, the Garden of Eden. I want us to understand this. Originally, it was our land, but our land was settled by other nations. And this is when you read Deuteronomy chapter, the seventh chapter, uh, verse one, when the Most High sent us into that land to kill all those nations that was there and to occupy that space, which was originally uh, called the land of Canaan. And you will hear it referred to that in the Bible as the land of Canaan, but that land of Canaan became the land of Israel. It was called the land of Canaan because the Canaanite people once lived there. And that's the way things were done back then. You would call the land after the people. So when the Israelite people moved in, the Israelite nation moved in, it was no longer called or referred to as the land of Canaan, but it became the land of Israel, all right? But now our enemies have this land in their possession. Read on. Therefore prophesy and say, thus saith the Lord God, because they have made you desolate and swallowed you up on every side. They've made us desolate, meaning they've basically made us a waste as well as our homeland a waste. Read. That ye might be a possession unto the residue of the heathen. And what did we become? A possession unto the residue of the heathen. And I was bringing this out last week when I was reading that book, uh, Tropical Africa, regarding the sub-Saharan uh, slave trade in which the Arabs started, and the Arabs made the transatlantic slave trade what it became. They were the creators of all of that. They put slavery on, on the globe, on the map, on the mainstream, to where we became a high-priced commodity. So when it talks about possession, it's talking about them, as well as the people we loosely refer to as white, but they're really a shade of red, the biblical name is Esau. Those people talking about the transatlantic slave trade, talking about the um, the uh, trans uh, Pacific slave trade, which falls under the umbrella of something called blackbirding. Y'all can look that up. But this is what it's talking about. Those people that possessed us. And and they currently possess us because we're still in the hands of our enemies. Read on. And it says heathen. So in case you're unfamiliar with that word, the word heathen means Gentile. It also means nation. All three of those words are synonymous with each other. Those are talking about non-Israelites. That's the way it's being used here. Read. And ye are taken up in the lips of talkers and are an infamy of the people. <laughs> We're taking up in the lips of talk. All people want to talk about is who? Us. We're the topic of conversation, every conversation. Listen, y'all, take away uh, us and our spirit from 
not just America, but just from the world in general, what would you have? Think about it. Every advertisement you see on TV is advertised by what type of music? It's hip-hop. It's hip-hop or some soul music, some throwback hip-hop music. Turn on a damn NFL game or NBA game. What are they going to be playing? Us. Come on, like the, the scriptures tells us that we're a peculiar or a unique people, man. We truly are. We are the salt, salt of the earth like Christ told us. What does salt, salt bring? Flavor. <laughs> if, we were not here, if we were not here in this world, there would be no flavor. But it says, and are, are an infamy of the people. Yes, our name is infamous, <laughs> infamous. They love us mm-hmm. and they hate us. They love what what is what is it saying? Everybody wanna be melanated, but nobody wants a melanated plight. Something like that. Everybody wanna be black, but nobody wanna be black. Right. <laughs> they don't want the black experience, but they want all our talents and all the things that we have to offer. But we're infamous because they hate us. Like it tells us in Genesis what, the forty ninth chapter says that and this is talking about the tribe of Judah. It said, Judah, uh, the, thy hand should be in the neck of your enemy. It's talking about how the tribe of Judah was going to be a pain in the neck <laughs> to their enemy. And you look at us, every every walk, talk about America, every walk of American life, you can find who there, a brother. This is why when we move in their neighborhoods, they do what? They move out. They get mad. They get upset. You find brothers on Wall Street. You find brothers in government, high government offices. You find brothers in the military. Every every walk of their life, everything that they're doing and got going on, their whole society, you can find who's there. Us. I don't care where you are. You're going to find at least one brother there. And what their brother going to be? going to be a pain because they hate seeing us. They hate us as a people. We're a nuisance to them. Back in the 60s, they used to say that America had a Negro problem, <laughs> a Negro problem. Read home. Therefore, four. this part I want to get to, y'all. Listen up. Therefore, ye mountains of Israel. Once he, again, talking about the government. Ye, read. Hear the word of the Lord God. Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains and to the hills, to the rivers and to the valleys, to the desolate wastes and to the cities that are forsaken, which became a prey and derision. It became a what? A prey and derision. Our cities, our homeland became a prey and derision. Read. To the residue of the heathen that are round about. It became a prey. So these other nations have preyed on us. And I know I, I said uh, Tropical Africa, another book y'all should check out. And I brought this out countless times. It's called Open Veins of Latin America. It's from a, a so-called Hispanic perspective about the atrocities that our Spanish-speaking and uh, Native American brothers went through from their perspective. Now listen to this, verse 5, read. Therefore. I'm sorry, wait a minute, wait a minute. Read verse 4 again. Verse 4, therefore, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God. Mm -hmm. 
Thus saith the Lord God to the mountains Mm -hmm. and to the hills, to the rivers and to the valleys, Mm -hmm. to the desolate wastes and to the cities that are forsaken, which became a prey and derision to the residue of the heathen. The The residue of who? Of the heathen. Of the heathen, the other nations. That what? That are round about. Now read this, and I want you to tell them where you're reading from. Read that top part. Mm-hmm. Now listen to this, y'all. From wikipedia.org, timeline of Jerusalem. And I brought this out last week. And if you get an opportunity, man, go back and read this timeline of Jerusalem. It gives the whole history of our land, of the land of Israel. Read. This is a timeline of major events in the history of Jerusalem a city that had been fought over 16 times in its history. During its long history, Jerusalem has been destroyed twice, besieged 23 times, attacked 52 times, and captured and recaptured 44 times. Now, this is, this is all, all the plight that Jerusalem has been through in a nutshell, but then this timeline goes on to show us the Syrian captivity in which uh, Shalmaneser and Tiglath-Pileser, that whole dynasty, took out. And then it goes on to show the Babylonian captivity in which the Babylonians came and seized uh, the southern kingdom of Israel and occupied the southern kingdom and, and kicked a lot of us out, kept us in captivity. Then it goes into the Persian Mede captivity under Cyrus, who actually ended up sending uh, Israelites back to rebuild the first temple, Solomon's temple, under uh, the brother uh, Ezra's and Nehemiah's time. Then it goes into the Greek captivity under Alexander. Then it goes into the Roman captivity under the Romans. So just to name a few, but this is all the, the, uh, all the captivities that are listed here in this Jerusalem timeline. Now, let's go back to uh, Ezekiel chapter 36, and I want you to read verse 4 again, and we're going to read right into verse 5. Therefore, ye mountains of Israel, hear the word of the Lord God, the Lord God to the mountains, Mm -hmm. and to the hills, Mm -hmm. to the rivers, and to the valleys, Mm -hmm. to the desolate waste, and to the cities that are forsaken, Mm -hmm. which became a prey and derision to the residue of the heathen that are round about. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen. So the most High said he spoke against them, read. And against all Idumia. Against who? All Idumia. All right, now hold your place. We got to go here to find out who Idumia is. Let's go to the compact. John Van Bible Dictionary, page 239, to find out who Idumia is, y'all. Idumia, pertaining to Edom. Pertaining to who? Edom. Edom. Now, you can read about Edom in Genesis, the 25th chapter. That was his. That was him being born with his twin brother Jacob, whose later name was changed to Israel. You can also read about Edom and his genealogy in Genesis the thirty-sixth chapter. All right, read on. Greek and Roman name for Edom. So 
This is who this is talking about the Edomites, their nation. Is that it? No, nah, that's okay. it. All right, let's go back to the scripture now. Verse 5. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen mm-hmm. and against all Idumea, which have appointed my land into their possession mm-hmm. with the joy of all their hearts. So it says they have appointed the Motown's land into their possession. Now, when did this happen? It happened several times. It actually happened under the Greeks. It happened under the Romans. And then it happened another time. So let's go to the Jerusalem timeline. I want you to go scroll down and go to a British Mandate. Now, I read this last week, too, y'all. But just to recap, like I say, man, this is what everybody's talking about right now. And the reason I want to... Stick and stick to this topic and get into it a little bit is because um, Amari Stoudemire recently came out condemning black people for not supporting Israel. Then he made another uh, he made a, another video apologizing for condemning black people for not supporting Israel. Talking about he stood with all human beings, all this other mess. You had Floyd and them his private plane over there to supply the Israelis with supplies and stuff. He just got a lot of celebrities and people talking about um, they um, they support Israel or they support the Arabs and whatnot. This is it right here, British Mandate. You got them saying this nonsense, and they don't know what the hell they talking about. All right, so read this. From wikipedia.org, British Mandate, 1917, the Ottomans are defeated at the Battle of Jerusalem during the First World War. Now, this is what I was talking about last week, y'all, and all of this is still on the Jerusalem timeline, and I want us to understand this, man, and I've told brothers this, every major war that has been held I'm talking about World War One, World War Two, has been centered around us. The reason being because it's centered around our land. It's centered around us and them keeping us asleep to who we really are as a people. That's the major war. All these other wars are proxy wars. That's it. Read this again. British Mandate. 1917, the Ottomans are defeated at the Battle of Jerusalem during the First World War. Now, the Ottomans, these were Edomites who converted to Islam. They called themselves the Turks. They were out of Turkey and other parts of Euro-Asia. They converted to Islam, and then they, they basically came in and they took over Jerusalem. Now, they came in and they did this around the late 1400s. All right, and then they made a. Uh, then the after after uh, after this happened, matter of fact, read this event again. Nineteen seventeen, the Ottomans are defeated at the Battle of Jerusalem during the First World War. So the British and all those that took place in World War Two 
they battled against their own brethren because it was that was basically white on white crime because the Ottomans was white boys that converted to Islam. They battled against them so they could get uh, occupancy, gain ownership to the land of Israel. That's what that whole battle was about. That's what World War One was about. It was about the land of Israel. It was about us, y'all. All right, you don't believe me? Go back and read it. So these Brits, they had help from the Arabs because the Arabs had signed an agreement uh, during this time with the Brits, and the Brits was like, "Yeah, we will come in and give y'all back, uh, give y'all uh, back occupation of the land," because they did once, in fact, uh, own or they occupied Israel once upon a time. Matter of fact, I got that last week when it talked about the uh, caliphates uh, coming into uh, Jerusalem and only for a period of time. Well, anyway, the Arabs made a deal with the Brits, but the Brits reneged. And when they reneged, they came up with this instead. Read on. The British Army's General Allenby enters Jerusalem on foot in a reference to the entrance of Caliph Umar in 637. So Caliph Umar in 637, this is the, the Arab the Arab people, the Arab nation, the sons of Ishmael. This they they occupied Jerusalem back then. Well you had these uh Arabs now coming back. Now some of them, I, I will say this, some of them was Esau, some of them was actual actual Arabs. And I say this because the lineage of Esau was mixed in with the Arabs. Like that's where the Ottomans basically came from, the converts. They mixed in with the Arabs. All right, I want us to understand this. And this is why, uh, and then a lot of that mixing was going on during the time of um, the Ptolemies, all right, the Ptolemaic dynasty and uh, Cleopatra. I went over all of this. A lot of that mixing went on then. This is why the Egyptians are so tight with the Arabs. The modern-day Egyptians are so tight with the Arabs because that whole region was occupied by the Ptolemies, and the Ptolemies were Edomites. They were white boys. They were white people. All right, but anyway, back to my point. So the Arabs made an agreement with the Brits. The Brits reneged on their agreement, and this happened. Read on. The Balfour Declaration had been issued just a month before. The Balfour Declaration was issued in 19, the year 1917. This was before the First World War even ended. But this, this was an agreement that was going to set up a new home for the Jewish people. All right? Now, I want you to go to, uh, let's get, who is Esau, who is Edom? Page 25, this white book right here. And some of this I read last week, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, yeah, that's it. Yep. From Who is Esau, Edom, page 25, by Charles A. Wiseman. The Jew has been a wanderer and a nomad nearly all of his existence. Right. Before the land of Israel was established, before the Balfour Declaration was established, they were basically nomads. All right? And once to get this, read. 
the greatest extent of a Jewish nation was the Khazar kingdom. So the Khazars, this is where the Jewish people come from. Read. Arthur Kessler, speaking of the Khazars, says that they were a nomadic people and that compared to other nomadic empires, it occupies an intermediary position in size and degree of civilization. All right. Now, let's go to uh, the 13th tribe, or the Cautionless Book, page 15. Mm-hmm. From the 13th tribe by Arthur Kessler, our investigation, excuse me, page 15, our investigations cannot go into problems pertaining to the history of ideas, but we must call the reader's attention to the matter of the Khazar kingdom's state religion. It was the Jewish faith which became the official religion of the ruling strata of society. Y'all see this? This is where those Jewish people, the Khazars, this is where they got their supposed nationality from. They got it from a religion that they they termed Judaism. Read on. Needless to say, the acceptance of the Jewish faith as the state religion of an ethnically non-Jewish people. Of a what? Ethnically non-Jewish people. They're not the Jews. A non-ethnically, their ethnicity is not that of the Jew, is not that of the Israelite. Read. An ethnically non-Jewish people could be the subject of interesting speculation. We shall, however, confine ourselves to the remark that this official conversion in defiance of Christian proselytizing by Byzantium, the Muslim influence from the East, and in spite of the political pressure of these two powers, to a religion which had no support from any political power, but was persecuted by nearly all. So these Khazars were in the middle of the Crusades, of the Holy Wars. They were in the middle of the Christians and the Muslims, fighting for what? Yep, you guessed it, the land of Israel. But they didn't want to pick a side. They wanted to remain neutral. So what they did was they adopted the so-called religion of Judaism, basically the Mosaic law. Read on. Has come as a surprise to all historians concerned with the Khazars and cannot be considered as accidental, but must be regarded as a sign of the independent policy pursued by that kingdom, which leaves us only slightly more bewildered than before. Yet, whereas the sources differ in minor detail, the major facts are beyond dispute. What is in dispute is the fate of the Jewish Khazars after the destruction of their empire in the 12th or 13th century. On this problem, the sources are scant. So they said... The sources are scanned. What happened to them after their empire fell? He says not a lot of information about them after the Khazar Empire fell. Read. 
but various late medieval Khazar settlements are mentioned in the Crimea, excuse me, in the Crimea, in the Ukraine, in Hungary, Poland, and Lithuania. Because that's where they went. And where did all the Jews that went to the land of Israel in 1948 come from? All the places that were just mentioned, as well as the United States, because that's what the Balfour Declaration did. It gave them a homeland to where they could come and migrate and live there. This is what the beef was about. The Arabs were saying, this is what the beef is still going on about. The Arabs were saying that these white people didn't have right to that land because it wasn't theirs. And then you had these Jewish people who was given the authority or the rights to this land by the Brits, other Edomites, saying that, no, nah, we want these people out so we can have this land to ourselves. Read on. The general picture that emerges from these fragmentary pieces of information is that of a migration of Khazar tribes and communities into those regions of Eastern Europe, mainly Russia and Poland. And where did the majority of the Jewish people come from? Russia and Poland. Really? Where at the dawn of the modern age, the greatest concentrations of Jews were found. Mm -hmm. This has led several historians to conjecture that a substantial part and perhaps the majority of Eastern Jews and hence of world Jewry might be of Khazar and not of Semitic origin. Now jump down to the other highlight. How important in quantitative terms is that presence of the Caucasian sons of Japheth. Oh, no, no, that's not it. Right there. That part. Oh. Yeah, that part. Yep, a new approach. A new approach both to the problem of the relations between the Khazar Jewry and other Jewish communities and to the question of how far we can go in regarding this Khazar Jewry as the nucleus of the large Jewish settlement in Eastern Europe. The descendants of this settlement, those who stayed where they were, those who immigrated to the United States and to other countries, and those who went to Israel. So you had these Khazars, they migrated all over the place. And this is why when in 1948, well, actually before, 1917, when the Balfour Declaration was issued, you had them migrating over to the land of Israel from all over the globe. Do you know? Constitute now the large majority of world Jewry. Mm -hmm. This was written before the full extent of the Holocaust was known. But that does not alter the fact that the large majority of surviving Jews in the world is of Eastern European and thus, perhaps mainly of Khazar origin. Y'all hear what he's saying, right? And then he brought another very interesting point. This happened even before the Holocaust, because a lot of people don't understand that the land of Israel was not even, uh, I mean, was had already been set up during the First World War. <laughs> the Holocaust happened during the Second World War. Read on. And, and I wish I had time. I, I read this other article. Uh, concerning Hitler, and Hitler, his thing was 
he was cool with um, the land of Israel being established as a state for the Jewish people because he wanted them out of Germany. He wanted all the Jews out of Germany. That's why he, he hooked them on them trains and got them up out of there. Yes. So then why did they leave from Eastern Europe? Who? Their whole, the Ashkenazis and all the Eastern European, quote-unquote, Jews? They were going to the land of Israel. That's where they were trying to go. They were trying to migrate to They were trying to go to Israel, yes. You know? If so, this would mean that their ancestors came not from the Jordan, but from the Volga. Not from Canaan, but from the Caucasus. Once from the where? The Caucasus. Where did these people come from? The Caucasus. This is where we get the word Caucasian from. They know where they come from, y'all. This is why they call themselves that. They know their history. We're the only people walking around don't know where the hell we come from, but they do. Read. Once believed to be the cradle of the Aryan race and that genetically they are more closely related to the Huns. Attila the Hun, read. Igor and Magyar tribes than to the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All right. What page are you on? 17? Go to 19. This is the last page you want to read from that. You want to jump in the Bible. Did you? Oh, uh, let me see. Let me see. Yeah, start here. Well, wait, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah, read fast, though. Page 18. At the peak of their power, they controlled or exacted tribute from some 30 different nations and tribes inhabiting the vast territories between the Caucasus, the Aral Sea, and the Ural Mountains. So this is talking about the Khazars and their empire. Their empire was very powerful and vast. Read. The town of Kiev and the Ukrainian steppes. The people under Khazar Suzerainty included the Bulgars, Bertas, Guz, Magyars, also known as the Hungarians, the Gothic and Greek colonies of the Crimea, and the Slavonic tribes in the northwestern woodlands. Beyond these extended dominions, Khazar armies also raided Georgia and Armenia and penetrated into the Arab Caliphate as far as Mosul. In the See, this, this, this is when they was fighting with the Arabs. And I brought this out last week, how um, they were uh, living in Pathra. And uh, the ophthalmology of the word Pathra means rock. <laughs> and that's what uh, Pathra is. It's a big uh, cave which they had carved houses into when they were actually living in that cave. It was a huge tourist attraction, the real in the words of the Soviet archaeologist M. I. Artemonov. Where you at? Here. No, not that part. That part at the bottom. Yes. Yeah. So let's get a description of these people. Read. But who were these remarkable people? Remarkable as much by their power and achievement as by their conversion to a religion of outcasts? They converted. Y'all see this, right? Read. The descriptions that have come down to us originate in hostile sources and cannot be taken at face value. As to the Khazars, an Arab chronicler writes, 
they are to the north of the inhabited earth towards the seventh clime, having over their heads the constellation of the plow. So this is what this Arabs, he describes them as, read. Their land is cold and wet. Their land is what? Cold and wet. This is why they love the cold. They love the cold weather. Read. Accordingly, their complexions are white. Their complexion is what? White. So these Kaisars, who would eventually become, uh, call themselves Jewish people, what complexion are they? White. These are white people. Not how the Bible describes the Jews in the Bible. The Jews in the Bible, according to uh, Jeremiah 14 and 2, are black into the ground, meaning different shades of brown. I brought this out last week. Christ from the tribe of Judah. You read in the book of Revelation chapter 1, verse 13 to verse 15, his color. It says that it, his skin was like brass as if it burned in the furnace. Dark-complected man. But these people, the Kaisars, a.k.a. the Jewish people, white folks. Read. Their eyes blue, their hair flowing and predominantly reddish, their bodies large and their nature is cold. Their nature is what? Cold. What's the nature of these people? Cold. They drop bombs on innocent people because they're what? Cold. They enslaved and kidnapped and and sold sold human beings for three, four hundred years because they're what? Cold. Because they're cold. The, the uh, industrial prison complex is full of black and brown people because they're cold. These people are cold. That's their nature. All right, let's get Luke chapter 21. What does it say? Their general aspect is wild. Their, their, thank you. Their general aspect of these people is what? Wild. They're wild. Beastly. All right, let's get Luke 21. Luke 21, start at verse 20. Luke 21, 20. And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies. See what? Jerusalem, compassed with armies. And mind you, we have seen Jerusalem compassed with armies many a times, because this is during the time of Christ, during the time of the Romans. But remember, we had already seen Jerusalem compassed with armies under uh, Tiglar Pilasar, under um, Nebuchadnezzar, under, um, not even really under uh, Cyrus the Great because he didn't even fight. He just walked into Jerusalem and took it over. <laughs> but we have seen Jerusalem compass with armies. Matter of fact, not even Alexander the Great because he just walked in too. <laughs> and the Romans, they had been occupying Jerusalem uh, since 63 B.C. under Pompey. And Pompey came into the city. But this is Christ during the time of the Romans saying, when we see Jerusalem uh, compassed with armies, read. Then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Mm -hmm. Then let them which are in Judea flee to the mountain. Mm -hmm. And let them which are in the midst of it depart out. Mm -hmm. And let not them that are in the country enter therein too. Read. For these be the days of vengeance. We're going to get to the days of vengeance, what they are, Reed. 
that all things which are written may be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But woe unto them that are with child. Now, it says that all things that are written might be fulfilled. The things that, that might be uh, written that might be fulfilled, what we just read earlier in Ezekiel, the 36th chapter, the fifth verse, where it talks about Idumia or the nations taking over our land and occupying. Read. And to them that give suck in those days, for there shall be great distress in the land and wrath upon this people. Read. And they shall fall by the edge of the sword. The day is us, the Israelites, fall by the edge of the sword, read. And shall be led away captive into all nations. And we were into all nations, whether, like I said, the sub-Saharan slave trade, the transatlantic slave trade, this, uh, the trans-Pacific slave trade, or many other, the, uh, the um, I forgot what they call it. It might have been the sub-Saharan slave trade where uh, we went over all the way into China. Yeah, it was that slave trade. So because of those slave trades, man, we ended up in all nations. And Jerusalem shall be trodden down of the Gentiles. The other the nations, read. Until the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Until the time of the Gentiles be, be fulfilled, meaning that these other nations, they have a time period in which to reign. People read this and read completely over it. That's why when brothers be talking about all oh, the Gentiles can make it, the Gentiles going to be saved, the other nations going to be saved, that is not so, sir. According to what we're reading, they have their time. <laughs> it says to the time when the Gentiles be fulfilled. They're given a certain amount of time to reign. This is why you can read about different dynasties and different powers all throughout the Bible and throughout history, as a matter of fact. As a matter of fact. You read about the Khans, Genghis and them. You read about Attila the Hun and them. You read about the Romans. You read about the Greeks and their dynasties. You read about all these other nations. This is what Christ is talking about. They had a time period in order which to reign, and then once that time period was over, then you had the next nation come, and they set up shop, and they reigned, and their time is over. We're at the latter end of what Christ is explaining right here to the time of the Gentiles be fulfilled. What's going on right now in the so-called Middle East, y'all, that conflict is about us. That's about the power structure, these Gentiles trying to hold on power. That's why they have to keep us asleep to who we are as a people. So we won't wake up and <laughs> Christ won't return to put us back into rulership power and authority like the disciples asked him in Acts the first chapter. Alright. <clears throat> it said that we're going to be led into uh, <clears throat> captivity mm-hmm. in all nations. Let's get uh, from Babylon Timbuktu page uh, 84. You got that one over there? I just I'll hear this one. Thank you. <clears throat> Yeah, read that. From Babylon to Timbuktu by Rudolf R. Windsor, page 84. In the year 65 BC, the Roman armies under General Pompey captured Jerusalem. In 70 AD, General Vespasian and his son Titus put an end to the Jewish state. So what Christ is referring to in Luke, the 21st chapter, when he says the nation fall by the edge of the sword and talking about the distress and all of that, He's referring to 70 A.D. But this 70 A.D., man, 
had pretty much happened several times over in all the captivities that we have been in, you know? With great slaughter, during the period of the military governors of Palestine, many outrages and atrocities were committed against the residue of the people. During the period from Pompeii to Julius, it has been estimated that over one million Jews fled into Africa, fleeing from Roman persecution. So you had a a million of us flee down into Africa, specifically Egypt, y'all, and uh, also western parts of Africa like Cameroon, um, Nigeria, uh, Lagos, Sierra Leone, all the western parts of Africa, man, that we sailed in. And that's how you know that we know, we can prove that there's a lot of Israelites down in the uh, African region that all of them are not ham, the water. Read on. Over one million Jews fled into Africa, fleeing from Roman persecution and slavery. The slave markets were full of black Jewish slaves. So before the Arabs even got hold to it, the Romans made us slaves. Slavery was big business for the Romans. But the point I want to bring out is that these Jews or Jewish people, really Jew people, are black and brown people, man, all right? Black and brown people, not the people that occupy the land currently that we refer to as the Jewish people or the small hats or the nominals or the fake Jews, man. They ain't the real people of the book, y'all. So, all right, y'all. <clears throat> That's all I got on that. Uh, let me take a quick break, regroup, and on the other side of this break, you're going to get into the class, y'all.
All right, y'all, we are back. We are back. So, uh, diving into the class, Never Wax Tail, The Apostles Teach the Disperse, Part 2, man. So, this is part of a series I've been working on for quite some time, uh, walking us through the history of the Bible. And in this part of the class, I'm proving, just like the title says, that the disciples or the apostles was, in fact, teaching the disperse. Those Israelites that were dispersed throughout the four corners of the globe, that's mentioned countless time, times all throughout the Bible. So <clears throat> we're going to continue to prove that. So let's go to Acts chapter 10. And we're going to start at verse 9 because this chapter is a so, supposed controversial uh, uh, chapter <clears throat> that a lot of people like to go to to say that uh, the disciples or the apostles taught all nations, you know, this is a misconception. Well, let's go ahead and get into it. <clears throat> you got it? We love. Chapter 10, verse 9. Mm-hmm. On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh unto the city, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. So this is the apostle Peter. He went up to pray, read. And he became very hungry and would have eaten. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been a great sheet knit at the four corners and let down to the earth. Now, <clears throat> the Most High is a genius, man. He'll use uh, parables and he'll use things that we can relate to to get us to understand what he's trying to get us to understand. In this case, Peter's hungry, so okay, let me use food to give him the understanding of what I'm trying to give him. Read on. Wherein were all matter of four footed beasts mm-hmm. of the earth mm-hmm. and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air. And there came a voice to him, Rise, Peter, kill, and eat. Mm-hmm. But Peter said, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. So Peter said, nope, I ain't never eaten anything that's common or unclean. All right, y'all, so let's get uh, Season Christ, page 575, please. <clears throat> A lot of uh, people... We'll read this, and they'll use this to justify eating swine and other foods that go completely against Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, which is the dietary law, to justify their uh, breaking of the God's laws. But as we're going to find out, this was not even talking about food. But I have to get this part right here. Um, yeah, page 575. It should be highlighted. Mm-hmm. You got it? Mm-hmm. Read that. Caesar in Christ, page 575. Mm-hmm. The Apostles, Peter, A.D. 30-95. Christianity arose out of Jewish apocalyptic esoteric. Let me see that. I think it's the bottom part I want you to read. Let me see. Uh, oh. Thank you. 
Yeah, here it is right here. I want you to start at the part where it says, so we may be sure. Uh, yeah. In the last hour, the belief, yeah, that's it. So the second paragraph, and start the part where it says, so we may be sure. So we may be sure that it is the last hour, the belief in the Masonic mission, bodily resurrection, and earthy return of Christ formed the basic faith of early Christianity. All right, read on. This creed did not prevent the apostles from continuing to accept Judaism. To, to accept what? Judaism. Judaism. So what, what he, the author is saying is that the apostles did accept Christ, but just because they accepted Christ, this did not stop them from practicing what they call Judaism, meaning they still kept the law. Now, wasn't Peter an apostle? Huh. Absolutely. Which meant that Peter, according to what we're reading in Caesar Christ, Peter still kept what? The dietary law. This is why when we read in Acts, when he said, uh, the most I told him, rise and eat, and Peter said, not so, Lord, I've never eaten anything common or unclean. This is why he says this, because he still was keeping the dietary law. Read on. Day after day, says Acts, they all went regularly to the temple. Day after day. These Israelites went regularly to the temple. Read. They obeyed the dietic, the diet, dietetic and ceremonial law. They kept the dietary law. Do y'all see this? So was, was Peter being told <laughs> to eat food that was not in keeping of the dietary law? No, he was not. That would be a complete contradictory. Is that it, Lavia? Keep reading. They proclaimed their faith at first only to Jews. First, they proclaimed their faith only to Jews, read. And often preached it in the temple court. And they often preached where? In the temple court. In the temple court. But who, who was in the temple? <laughs> the Jews, the Israelites were in the temple. We're going to get to that in a second. Is there more to that? They believed that they had received from Christ or no, the Holy Spirit. That's it. That's all I want. I want the part about Peter or the, the apostles keeping the dietary law. Now let's go to Acts. Chapter 15. And we're going to start at verse 5. Acts chapter 15, verse 5. Mm-hmm. There rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed, seeing that now, it was... It says, it rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees. Is this ready to go? Of the Pharisees. Now, the Pharisees were Israelites, all right? One's to understand this. But these particular Pharisees, they believed in Christ. 
But they rose up and they said what? Read. Pharisees which believed, seeing that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. I'm sorry. Let's find out who these them is. Uh, jump up to verse 3. Acts verse of chapter 15, verse 3. And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, declaring the conversion of the Gentiles. Of the who? Of the Gentiles. The conversion of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto, unto all the brethren. All right. So they met, they converted these Israelites who grew up amongst the Gentiles, living in Gentile uh, areas. Now, jump down to verse 5. But there rose up certain of the sects of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was needful to circumcise them. To circumcise who? These Gentiles that were in verse 3. But circumcision, remember, y'all, only belonged to who? The Israelites, all going all the way back to Genesis, the 17th chapter, when Abraham, our forefather, was given circumcision. So it's letting you know good and well that these so-called Gentiles weren't of other nations. They were of Israelite stock, but they grew up in Gentile countries, Gentile areas. But the beef here was uh, these Pharisees were saying that these Israelites who grew up like Gentiles Needed to be circumcised, and they needed to do what? Read. And to command them to keep the law of Moses. This was the beef. Now, let's jump over to verse 19, find out what happened, because they had a whole council over this, and this is what the council came with. This is what the disciples or the apostles came up with. Read. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. Well, slow up. Wait a minute now. Read that part again. Wherefore, my sentence is that we trouble not them, which from among the Gentiles. From amongst the Gentiles. You see this? This is talking about the same Gentiles in the same chapter, verse 3. Some of the same ones. He says they are uh, from among the Gentiles. They, you know there's a distinction. These are Israelites, y'all. Read. Are turned to God. Mm-hmm. But that we write unto them. Now listen to what he's saying. This He said, don't trouble them, but we're going to write to them saying what? That they abstain from pollution of idols. So they abstain from pollution of idols. You find this in Exodus, the 20th chapter. It says, thou shalt have no other God for me, thou shalt make not, not make any graven images. So it says, instead of having them go get circumcised, we just going to have these brothers abstain from idolatry. <laughs> Read. And from fornication. And from what? From fornication. Found in Leviticus, the 18th chapter, the 19th chapter, the 20th chapter talking about affairs, relations that you can have between man and woman. And it also deals with homosexuality, bestiality, all of that. But what is that? That's the law, y'all. That's the law. 
So he said, no, nah, y'all ain't got to get circumcised, but y'all got to keep the law of idolatry, no idols, no fornication. And what else he said? And from being strangled and from blood. Being strangled. That's concerning the dietary law. I hope y'all see this. So these Israelites who were called Gentiles were learning the law. The weightier matters of, now listen to this, verse 21, read. For Moses of old time have in every city them that preach him, being read in the synagogue every Sabbath day. Now, why would they come back and say this about Moses being taught in the synagogue on the, every Sabbath? Because what, what's being read or taught in the synagogue on the Sabbath? The law. <laughs> so he's like, man, they'll get the rest of it, but for right now, have them abstain from idolatry, have them abstain from fornication, how to keep the dietary law, man, for right now. <laughs> They'll get the rest of it as they keep going and learning on the Sabbath. I hope y'all see this. Now let's get Acts chapter 21. We're going back to Acts chapter 10, too. But I have to clarify this. Y'all see the dietary law being mentioned several times. So we know good and well Peter was not eating unlawful foods. <clears throat> Acts 21, start of verse 18. And the day following, Paul went in with us unto James, and all the elders were present. And when he had saluted them, he declared particularly what things God had wrought among the Gentiles by his ministry. And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord and said unto him, See his brother, how many thousands of Jews there are which believe. Now, this is the same thing we just read about in Acts, the 15th chapter. And I forget who it is, is but he's giving somebody a recap of what actually transpired. Read. And they are all zealous of the law. They're what? All zealous of the law. No, they hate the law. Zealous of the law. <laughs> These Israelites who were called Gentiles were zealous of the law. Read. And they are informed of thee that thou teachest all the Jews which are among the Gentiles. Where are these Jews at? Among the Gentiles. You see this, y'all? Now, they was beefing with Paul because they said that Paul was teaching them not to keep the law. Read on. To forsake Moses. This was the accusation they brought against Paul. Read. Saying that they ought not to circumcise their children, neither to walk after the custom. Mm -hmm. What is it, therefore? The multitude must needs come together, for they will hear that thou art come. Read. Do therefore this that we say to thee. We have four men which have a vow on them. So they saying, man, in order to get these people to listen to you, Paul, do this. We got four men, they got they took a vow. Read. Then take and purify thyself with them and be at charges with them. I want you to take a vow like they took. Read. That they may shave their heads and all may know that those things whereof they were informed concerning thee are nothing. They'll know that they're not true. Why would they know that they weren't true? Because these men took a vow 
Well, taking a vow is, contern- is contained in the law. You would take a vow as a Nazarite. Some people were Nazarites from birth, or you can take a, a Nazarite vow not from birth. So these men took a, a certain vow, and he's telling them, hey, Paul, it would be good if you took a vow with them, and then all the people would see you do what they're doing, and they'd be like, see, man, this dude ain't talking about break the law, breaking the law, because he's keeping the law. Because being taken a vow of a Nazarite is keeping the law. Read. But that thou thyself also walkest orderly and keepest the law. See? Read on. As touching the Gentiles which believe we have written and concluded that they observe no such thing, save only that they keep themselves from things offered to idols. Now, this is the same thing he just said in Acts. But brothers kept trying to accuse Paul of something. He said, no, man, this is what we told him. This was the decree that they abstain from idolatry, read, and from blood, and keep the dietary laws, and from strangled, read, and from fornication. The, the law of fornication, which is, in fact, the law, read. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, purifying himself with them, entered into the temple to signify the accomplishment of the days of purification until that an offering should be offered for every one of them. Read. And when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews which were of Asia, when they saw him in the temple. The Jews which were of who? Asia. Keep read. I write over this, man. You see how Israelites were scattered all over the place? So these were Jews that came from Asia. Israelites that came from Asia. Read. Stirred up all the people and laid hands on them, mm-hmm. crying out, Men of Israel, help. This is the man that teaches all men everywhere against the people and the law and this place and further brought Greeks also into the temple (laughs) and have polluted this holy place. Now, these Greeks actually were Israelites. You're going to get into that too, Reed. For they had seen before with him in the city Trophimus and Ephesians whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. All right. Now, let's jump back to Acts chapter 10, and we're going to read verse 15 again. Acts chapter 10 and read verse 15. Acts chapter 10, verse 15. And the voice spake unto him again the second time, What God hath cleansed that called not thou common? So, the analogy being used here is food, but he was not talking about food at all. Now jump over to verse 25. Verse 25. And as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, and fell down at his feet and worshipped him. Mm-hmm. But Peter took him up, saying, Stand up, I myself also am a man. Uh-huh. And as he talked with him, he went in and found many that were come together. He found many that were in there with him, right? And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing. He said what? 
ye know how that it is an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. No, this is... So people will read the first half of this chapter and they won't get to this part because this part explains verse 15 when he says, And the voice spake unto him, to him again the second time, What God hath cleansed, let that call no, not thou common. Verse 18 is telling you what he's talking about. Read it again. I'm sorry, verse 28 is telling you what he's talking about. Read it again. And he said unto them, Ye know how that it is an unlawful thing. Unlawful. Just like all the food that he saw in his dream was what? Unlawful. <laughs> this is why he said, not so. I ain't eating this unlawful food. But he was talking about actual men. These men being called Gentiles because they grew up, like the scripture says, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. Read. For a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. Mm-hmm. But God hath chosen me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Going all the way back to verse 15. Hope y'all see that. Let's go to Acts chapter 10 and verse 1. Because some people, they might read that far and they'll still argue that, see, this was another nation. Unfortunately, you have people that try to persist with the argument. So uh, Acts chapter 10, verse 1, and then we're going to jump to this article. Acts chapter 10, verse 1. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centron of the band called the Italian band. So he was in Caesarea, and uh, they call him a centurion, meaning he was an officer of a hundred people from the Italian band. And people read this and say, see, he was an Italian. All right. Oh, the old Cornelius story. Now, I know some brothers, they will go along with the program, and they'll say Cornelius was a nation. Not so. I'm not one of those brothers that buy into that because it's not the truth. This is the truth of the matter right here. Read this. From news.jhu.edu. Oh, boy. Read this. Sons of Israel. In Caesar's service. What read the other part again? Sons of Israel. Sons of who? Israel. Uh huh. In Caesar's service. In Caesar's what? Service. Meaning you had Israelites in Caesar's military. Jewish soldiers in the Roman military. Come on, man. There's more. All right, read that. By Andrew J. Schoenfeld, M.D. The participation of Roman Jewish soldiers in the armies of Imperial Rome often goes unrecognized. It often goes what? Unrecognized. <laughs> Y'all see this? Why does it go often go unrecognized? Read. 
This is mainly a result of a lack of recognition on the part of scholars who wish us to use the rabbinic sources as the benchmark for Jewish practice in the imperial age. What he's saying is you got these religious scholars that only want to use biblical references to dispel the, the proof that you actually had Israelites in the Roman army. They only want to use scriptures, and they don't want to confer with scripture and history books, other secular sources that can validate whether or not Cornelius was an Italian <laughs> or if he was an Israelite. It is also difficult to identify Jewish soldiers, many of whom had Greek and Latin names. They had what? Greek and Latin names. Now, hold on. Let me get this right here. It says that these Greek soldiers had Greek and Latin names. Why would they have Greek and Latin names? Hold on, y'all. I got to get this. From the Holman Bible Atlas, a complete guide to the expansive geography of biblical history. Now, remember, it says that a lot of Israelites took on Greek and Latin names. So this is uh, part of the reason why. Read. Okay. Page 187, John Hyrcanus, Antiochus the seventh death in 129 B.C., left John Hyrcanus in a position to extend his rule further. In that year, John attacked Medeba east of the Dead Sea and added the surrounding territory. A year later, he led a campaign into Samaria, eventually destroying the Samaritan temple on Mount Gerizim. John conquered Idumea in 125 B.C. So John Hyrcanus is the one that forced converted the Edomites to become Jews in the first place. Read on. Seeing the Idumeans to submit to Jewish religion or leave. Uh-huh. A second campaign northward against the cities of Samaria and 
Scythopolis brought more of Samaria and the Esdraelon Valley under Jewish control. Mm -hmm. The 30-year rule of John Hyrcanus, 135 to 105 or 4 B.C., lifted the political and economic fortunes of the Jews, Mm -hmm. but it revealed some curious features. The Hasmonean dynasty took on the characteristics of a Hellenistic monarchy. They took on what? The characteristics of a Hellenistic monarchy. Now, the Hellenists, that's talking about anything that's dealing with Greek people. Mm-hmm. So what the, what the Hasmonean dynasty that John Hyrcanus was under, what they started doing, they started rolling like the other nations, the Greeks. And they were took, took on Greek names. This is going to tell you, Reed. John employed foreign mercenaries in his army. He changed the names of his children from Hebrew into Greek. He did what? Changed the names of his children from Hebrew into Greek. What? Mm-hmm. Although he avoided the title king, his court gradually assumed the trappings of Greek culture. Religion became a tool of conquest with John and his successors as conquered people were forcibly converted to Judaism. All right. Now let's go back to the other book or the other article we read about how Mm -hmm. you had Israelites who took on Greek and Latin names. And we find out this happened during the time of the Maccabees. It is also difficult to identify Jewish soldiers, many of whom had Greek and Latin names, Mm -hmm. unless they are specifically identified as Jews or are found in a Jewish context, such as dedicatory inscriptions from a synagogue. Nonetheless, by using a variety of sources from the period, it is possible to appreciate the depth and breadth of Jewish service in the Roman legions from the time of Caesar down to the early 5th century. Mm-hmm. There were Jews... So it says from the time of Caesar, Caesar Augustus, to the 5th century, way after the death of Christ, read. There were Jews, soldiers, influential generals like Tiberius Julius Alexander. Like who? Tiberius Julius Alexander. Read. And Jewish military units such as the Regi... And regardless of their relationship to Orthodox Jewish communities of the time. So you find you had Israelites that served in the Roman army, regardless of their relationship they had with their kinfolks. This would be the equivalency of what? Of uh, Israelites joining the U.S. military. Mm-hmm. And, and, or the, the, the damn state militia or the uh, National Guard, and let a ride pop off. And these brothers are going to have to do what? Suit up and go to work against their own people. They might see their cousins or their brother or their sister at the damn riot. They might have to put them down. Why? Because they work for the United States government. It was no different back then. Read on. Regardless of their relationship to Orthodox Jewish communities of the time, the service of Roman Jews in the imperial armed forces must be recognized. Mm-hmm. In the year 69, the Roman province of Judea was consumed by a three-year rebellion 
that pitted Jewish zealots against the authority of the emperor and the house of Herod. Not only was the revolt a destabilizing factor in the eastern regions of the empire, but it also posed a significant challenge to the new emperor, Vespasian. In order to quell the Jewish revolt in his eastern marches, Vespasian resolved to send an army under the command of his son, Titus, with explicit orders to crush the insurrection. Now, this is during 70 AD. This is the insurrection in question. Read. Although the emperor's young son showed exceptional talent and tact for leadership, he lacked the military experience deemed necessary for a Roman general. Mm -hmm. Therefore, the emperor was forced to choose an able commander capable of assisting Titus in the Judean expedition. Who we go get? number of prestigious military men were available for the post, including Aeneas or Aeneas Venetianus, son-in-law to the famed general Corbulo. But Vespasian made an unlikely choice of an Alexandrian Jew. Over who? Alexandrian Jew. An Alexandrian Jew. Meaning he was from the city in Egypt called Alexandria that Alexander the Greek named after himself. But that's where his brother was from. Read. Named Tiberius Julius Alexander. And what was his name? Tiberius Julius Alexander. A Greek name. Like we read in the Bible Atlas how John Hyrcanus started naming his lineage Greek names rather than Hebrew names. Read on. To spearhead the Roman army in its effort thwart the Jewish uprising. The emperor's decision was to prove fortuitous, as not only did Tiberius Alexander coordinate a Roman victory in Judea, and he did his job, Read. but he also became Titus's trusted advisor. He became advisor to Titus, General Vespasian's son. This is an Israelite in that high ranking of position. So you don't think that Cornelius. <laughs> was over a puny hundred men? You don't think so? The Israelite Cornelius? Reno. And may have eventually reached the rank of Praetorian prefect. Despite the outstanding military career of this Alexandrian Jew, his name and his legacy are largely unknown. Or largely what? Unknown. Unknown. Do you think that's a coinkydink? No, they do they do this for a reason, y'all. So we'll get caught up and say, Oh, see the Gentiles. See, Paul taught Cornelius this Gentile. The Gentiles can make it. See, we have to understand the full history of the Bible, y'all, before you try to just jump to conclusions and take words for face value. Please do the research. Read on. Largely unknown outside a small circle of specialists, like specialists. In order to get this information, you have to be a specialist, not just a regular old scholar. You have to be a specialist. 
you know, the truth says, he that seeks shall find. Mm-hmm. If you really look for it, brothers and sisters, you'll find it. How do you think I came about this information? Diligently searching, and I found it. Read. Likewise, the participation of Jews in the Roman military is a topic that is underemphasized or, frankly, ignored by historians. Historians ignore it. Now, hold this. Keep your place. We're going to go to another source to validate. There you go. From wikipedia.org, Tiberius Julius Alexander was an equestrian governor and general in the Roman Empire. He was a damn general in the Roman Legion. Do y'all see this? This this brother would be the equivalency of Colin Powell. Read. Born into a wealthy Jewish family of Alexandria, but abandoning or neglecting the Jewish religion. He did what? Abandoning or neglecting the Jewish religion. He he neglected the fact that he was an Israelite. He sold completely out. He dove headfirst into heathenism. No different than you see brothers today be doing. What we refer to them as, Oreos. If it's a nine, a nine and a half, brother, they call him what? A coconut. <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun, y'all. Read on. He rose to become the second procurator of Judea, circa 46 to 48, under Claudius, while prefect of Egypt, 66 to 69, he employed his legions against the Alexandrian Jews in a brutal response to ethnic violence and was instrumental in the Emperor Vespasian's rise to power. In 70, he participated in the siege of Jerusalem as Titus's second in command. He became the most powerful Jew of his age and is ranked as one of the most prominent Jews in military history. That you don't read about in the Bible. Go back to the other article. Remember what it was? All right. There. Okay. Likewise, the participation of Jews in the Roman military is a topic that is underemphasized or frankly ignored by historians. Most often, scholars quote the exemptions from military service granted to Jews at Ephesus and Delos or elaborate on the difficulties that Sabbath observance and dietary laws pose to Jewish men interested in serving under the imperial flag. No different than now. You got brothers in the military that's always talking about what? How they got to go work on the Sabbath. You had one bro, I won't mention his name, but he ended up getting an uh, exemption and ended up getting out of the military. Matter of fact, they was trying to deploy the brother somewhere he didn't want to go. And they was trying to give him the jab. And he ended up uh, getting papers filed, uh, getting a religious exemption, 
and he basically got discharged, man. There's nothing new under the sun, y'all. All right, let's uh let's go back to Caesar and Christ. Give me page five seventy five. Bobby, I think you got that. It's a whole lot more there, y'all, but I ain't gonna read all of it for uh time strengths. Five seventy five, uh, towards the end, that that uh that bottom paragraph where it talks about us being in the temple, the, di- the dietary laws, and then it talks about the temple. So we may be sure that it is the last hour, the belief in the Masonic mission, bodily resurrection, and earthly return of Christ formed the basic faith of early Christianity. This creed did not prevent the apostles from continuing to accept Judaism day after day, says Acts. So they kept the law. Read. They all went regularly to the temple. They went where? Regularly to the temple. They went regularly to the temple. Remember in Acts it said that that was one of the things that the council agreed upon, that these Gentiles or these Israelites that were among the Gentiles were going to go and hear the law in the temple every Sabbath, the law of Moses is said. So let's get First uh, Peter chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 1. Read. First Peter chapter one. Right. Yep, verse one. Verse one. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus. To the who? To the strangers scattered. The strangers is talking about Israelites. Other Israelites that were scattered. What the most high tell us he was gonna do? Deuteronomy chapter twenty eight, verse sixty four, scatter us. And it's all through countless other verses, man. This is in the New Testament, mind you. This is who the apostles were going to teach. Those Israelites. Not nations, not not Gentile as you think think so. No. Israelites that grew up in Gentile places. Read it again. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, 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 Cappadocia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Now listen to what he's saying. He said elect. Elect means chosen. So elect According or chosen according to the what? To the foreknowledge of God. What does foreknowledge mean? It means to have prior knowledge of. The Most High had prior knowledge of these Israelites and the fact that they were scattered. But they were still his people. He knew them. Read. Of God the Father through Sanctification. sanctification of the spirit unto obedience and 
sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. And peace be multiplied. Now, remember, uh, they said in that book from um, Caesar, Caesar, Caesar and Christ that the Jews were in the temple, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to get to that, too. Uh, let's get Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 11 first, though. Everybody got it? Yeah. Read. Wherefore, remember that ye, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision. It says you were called Gentiles in the flesh. Why were they called Gentiles in the flesh? Because they were not circumcised. You can go back to First Maccabees chapter 1, verses uh, 11 through 15, and find out that we uncircumcised ourselves during that time. And by the time you get up to what we're reading about right now, there's a whole bunch of us that was uncircumcised. But that would uh, give another Israelite reason to call you a what? A Gentile, another nation. Read. Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision. And those Israelites that once weren't circumcised were called uncircumcised by Israelites who knew they were Israelites who were circumcised. Read. In the flesh made by hand, uh-huh. that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens. Being, being what? Aliens. Read. From the commonwealth of Israel. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. And what else? And strangers from the covenant of promise. But they ain't, ain't that what Peter referred to them as in First Peter chapter 1, as strangers? Now you got Paul saying the same thing that they was alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and they were strangers from the what? The covenant and the promises, read. Having no hope and without God in the world. And that's where we be before you get the truth dropped on you. You be alienated from the commonwealth of your heritage, the fact that you are Israelite. You be alienated from your people. Running around like the Most High told us in Deuteronomy chapter 28, some by byword, a proverb, you calling yourself, not even knowing your nationality. That's why we hit brothers up as street teachers. We ask them, what? hey, what's your nationality? Because we know it's a loaded question. <laughs> they can't answer it. They don't even know who the hell they are. We the only people got to dive in the history books and record books to find out who the hell we are. Everybody else just go ask their grandmama, their granddaddy. Well, all right, what verse is that? All right, let's go to uh, St. John chapter 18, verse 20. St. John chapter 18, verse 20. Yahweh answered him. I spake openly to the world. So this is Christ that I spake openly to the world. Read. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple where the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. But I thought he said he spoke openly to the world. But then he said he spoke in the synagogue. So what world was he talking about? 
the world of the Israelites, the world of the Jews. And where was he start talking to them at? In their temple, known as the synagogue. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 46. People like to try to say that Christ's mission somehow conflicted the mission of the apostles. Well, no, in fact, it was the same mission. Because they like to quote Paul's letters like Paul supersedes Christ. <laughs> because once upon a time, Christ told them what? Don't go to the Gentiles, right? But then Christ would come back and make Paul the apostle to the Gentiles. <laughs> Where are we at? Uh, Acts 2 and verse 46. And they, continuing daily with one accord. The in, day, talking about the Israelites, the apostles, read. In the temple. In the what? Temple. In the temple, read. And breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. Now, the reason I want to emphasize this temple thing is because, y'all, when do you ever read about in the Old Testament where you had people from other nations going to the temple to pray, to congregate, or during Christ's time. Christ said he spoke openly in the synagogue of the Jews. Why the hell would people from another nationality be in the synagogues or the temple of the Israelites? When we already know, Paul said it, things that the Gentiles worship, they sacrifice the devils. <laughs> and I did a class talking about how the Gentiles or the nations were heavily into idolatry. They believed in polytheism, not monotheism. They were pagans. All right, give me Acts 3 and 1. Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Another, another scripture how the brothers were going to the temple. Who was in the temple? Who was in the synagogue? The Israelites. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. Acts chapter 5, verse 42. And daily in the temple. In the what? And daily in the temple. Read. And in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Yahweh Shai. So you had Israelites in the temple teaching about Christ. This is where we went. This is where we congregated. This is where we learned that. Acts chapter 7, verse 48. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Now, this is Stephen talking before he got stoned, but where did Stephen get this from? Give me Isaiah 66 and 1. He said, as it is written. Where is it written at? And when he made this statement, what books? what book was written? What we commonly refer to as the Old Testament Or Torah Y'all got it? Read 66 and 1 Isaiah Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 Thus saith the Lord The heaven is my throne And the earth is my footstool Where is the house that ye build unto me? This is Read and where is the place of my rest? This is what Stephen, or who Stephen was quoting, the prophet. 
in the temple. Now let's get Acts chapter 17, verse 1. Now, why would Stephen be quoting this to non-Israelite people? They wouldn't know what the hell he was talking about. Now, when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Of the who? Of the Jews. Free. And Paul, as his manner was. As his manner was, meaning he did this all the time. Read. Went in unto them. He went into the synagogue. <laughs> Read the temple. Read home. And three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the scripture. It says three Sabbath days, right? Three That's three weeks. Almost a whole month. He reasoned with who? The Jews. The, Jews, the Israelites that was there out of what? It says Sabbath days reason with them out of the scriptures. What scriptures? The Old Testament. The other nations didn't know nothing about the Old Testament. It's our book. It was our history. Read on. Opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead. And that is this Jesus whom I preach unto you is Christ. And some of them believed and consorted with and of the devout Greeks. Of the who? Devout Greeks. Of the devout Greeks. And people read the sea, the nation, read. A great multitude, and of the chief women, not a few. Not a few. No, all I got to get to this. Let's get Zonovan, page 207. Is it over there? Mm-hmm. Page 207. Let's get this word Greek. I'm going to go over a little bit, y'all. This is the last thing I'm going to cover. I'm going to cover for this evening. Get that. I know. I know. And there's a reason. It's because the book she's reading from is a dictionary. She's looking for the word Greek, as I was when I first got it, right? But the word Greek is not in there. And it should be in that place because <laughs> you look around, this guy, what's next? The Greek language, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the word Greek ain't in there. Instead, it has this. What does it have? Greece. Greece. <laughs> Read. Grecian. Grecia is Greece, the home of the Hellens. The home of the Hellens. Now, hold that. And go to page 223, because it says Grecia is the home of the Hellens. What's a Helen? Read. Hellenists, Jews who made Greek their tongue. What's a Helen? Jews who made Greek their tongue. These are Israelites who spoke the Greek language, y'all. Now go back. <laughs> oh yeah, go ahead and read the rest of it. And with it, often adopted Greek ideas. Thank you. And practices. They adopted Greek ideas and they practices of the Greek people. They acted just like them, even though they wasn't them. Yes. Assimilation. Now go back to page two hundred seven to Greek. Grecia is Greece, the home of the Hellens. Greeks 
and Grecians, however, are to be distinguished. They're to be what? Distinguished. They're not the same. Greeks are generally those of Hellenic race and probably, excuse me, but the word may be used to indicate non-Jews. Now, this is where they threw some trickery in there, y'all. And that's the thing about Esau, man. He'll give you some truth, but then he got to slide his own agenda in there. And I'm going to get to why I say he's telling the lie. Let's get St. John chapter 12, read verse 1, then jump to verse 20. St. John chapter 12 and verse 1. Then Yahushai, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was, which had been dead. Now, go ahead. Whom he raised from the dead. So, what's going on? It says six days before what? Passover. Before Passover. All right, what's going on right here? Preparation for Passover. Now watch this. Jump down to verse 20. Mm-hmm. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. You see, this is why I said the author of the Zonovan Bible Dictionary is being disingenuous. Talking about sometimes the word Greek can refer to a non-Israelite person. The reason I pulled this scripture is why the hell would a Greek be going to celebrate Passover? It makes no sense. I hope y'all are seeing this. So these study aids, you got to be real careful, y'all. Read between the lines. All right, let's go back. Does it, did you get the rest of the definition for uh, Grecian? But the word may be used to indicate non-Jews, foreigners and aliens. Mm-hmm. Grecians were Greek-speaking Jews. They were what? Greek-speaking Jews. As this Greek, Greek we just read about in St. John, the 12th chapter, that was going up to celebrate Passover. Because ain't no way in hell another nation was going up to celebrate Passover, which they had no knowledge of, y'all. Because the heathens, the Gentiles, were pagans, traditionally, historically. There's more to that. Read. Folk of the dispersion from areas predominantly Greek. So the Greeks or the Greeks were folk from the dispersion or the diaspora, y'all, the scattering of the Israelites. All right, y'all, I think this is a great place to stop. Let me mark my little place here. I got lots, lots more, y'all, definitely. Uh, Hopefully, Lord willing, when we come back next week, We'll get into the disciples, man, uh, and their martyrdoms. Uh, the water for everybody tuning in. Uh, the water, Brother Mashaba, mighty Brother Mashaba, welcome home I, from your uh, your joyous trip, your triumphant trip. <laughs> Good to have you back, I. At the water for hooking up the broadcast, the water for everybody tuning in. Uh, thank you, everybody. Support dog, blog talk radio, Bible talk, listening in to the show. Uh, we greatly appreciate it, y'all. 
Uh, until next week, y'all, Lord willing, tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to please tune in to Tuzzle Pod. Tuesday. Tuzzle Pod. Tuesday. Tuzzle Pod. Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And with that, y'all, we're going to say shalom. Uh-huh.